At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the Leadership Strategist. Tonight's guest, author and international keynote speaker for corporate and education professionals, Joe Fingerhut. Hey, what you drinking? Guys, this conversation is going to be fun. And not that I'm not having fun with my other guests, but some of those conversations uh, I've been told can get a little erudite, a, a little heady. We might get into that here too, but I've got with me this guy. I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to dub him the king of fun. Because this dude knows how to have fun, whether he's on stages, whether he's talking one-on-one, whether he's on video, or whether he's live and in person. It really doesn't matter what country he's in. Mr. Joe Fingerhut is the real deal, man. Come on into the room. Welcome to Whiskey Jazz and Leadership. Hello, Galen. Thank you for having me, man. Very good to see you. Man, well, hey, man, we we actually we ran into each other again at an at an area basketball game. Of course, I would find you at a, a place where folks are having fun, and I thought, man, we we I got to have you on this podcast conversation. So here we are. We made this happen pretty pretty short order. So I got a bunch of questions for us to catch up because it's been a while since we've talked. Well, here's the first question, and this really lets everybody know that now now's the time to get serious. Here's the first question. So what you drinking? I love it. I love it. I feel honored to be at the, on the receiving end of that question, seeing what you've produced with your podcast everything. I'm drinking soju, and this is an Asian bottle. Uh, soju is Korean alcohol. This bottle happens to say it was produced in Japan. Not exactly sure how that works. But that is what I'm sharing with you right now. Fantastic, man. We crack that over. That's a beautiful bottle, too, man. Is yeah, we don't mess around. Well, I tell you, man, since I, I, I knew that you you play uh, across the seas, you don't do anything domestic. I haven't seen you do anything domestic. I decided to reach for something that um is across the seas. This is Nika whiskey from the barrel. 
Uh, so Nikki, Nika, I believe is Japanese. I think it's a, a Japanese distillery, although this one is bottled in San Francisco. Uh, but Nika, N-I-K-K-A. Definitely. That's Japan, Japanese. So. Yeah, sounds sound Japanese, Japanese. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have messed around with the Nika coffee uh seven year i've messed around with the 21 year but this is the this is from the barrel so this is this is the higher level uh i'm gonna crack this open because i got joe finger hunt with me so here we go it's got a little it's got a little screw top as opposed to the cork all right and uh man it's got a nice little bouquet we're gonna jump into this Matt, cheers and uh yeah, so while I enjoy this Japanese treat, uh, share a little bit of your background with my audience because you are um, really kind of a rock star in the speaking world. And in, in the speaking world, people know, especially in your market, in the market that you concentrate on, people know that Jing, that uh, Joe Fingerhut is, is the real deal. Outside of your market, uh, people may not understand why I'm so excited about this conversation. So share a little bit about your background and what you do. And we're going to get into this into this conversation. So background, uh, I'm from St. Louis. I wanted to explore life outside of St. Louis. I went to college in Chicago. After college, I wanted to explore life outside of America. So I backpacked through Europe. And then I ended up teaching English in Japan for three years. Then I came home and I pursued a series of dream jobs. So for almost two decades, I've made a living as an entertainer, then leading into a speaker. So I started out, was and am uh, a DJ, magician, juggler. I walk on stilts. I ride a unicycle. I do comedy hypnosis, but I don't push or pursue any of those activities. What I pursue and put all of my energy into is speaking. And I am a keynote speaker. I set rooms on fire. I go to conferences, I do workshops, I do opening keynotes, closing keynotes. For a long time, my main market has been the education market. So I've been, come, been able to come in and provide a lot of energy at specifically teen leadership conferences all across the country. Um, that has allowed opportunities to also work at schools, middle schools. I do character ed assemblies at elementaries. But then recently, there's been a lot of activity from those in the education space. So it started with professional development sessions for teachers. And then I saw that adults responding to this stuff just as wonderful and powerfully as young people. And so I've been able to fulfill the same role more progressively at like association events, professional conferences, HR companies. And um, I'm just flowing, man. Like everything Dude. is clicking. Man, you just do it all, man. I, 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 you know, when I, when you and I first met and got to know each other, and I learned a little bit about your background, my first conversation was, this, this guy doesn't know who he wants to be when he grows up. And your response was exactly. I still don't know who I want to be when I grow up. I plan not to grow up. I'm just going to continue to have fun and just keep this energy going. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try to convince adults not to grow up either. So tell, tell me a little bit about how were you able to build a career out of having fun? Because you can't, you can't have a career, you can't build a career and sustain a living 
by having fun, man. You got to be serious. You got to put on a shirt and tie. You got to carry a briefcase. Come on, man. Come on. It sounds pretty hard and impossible, right? Because <laughs> as you grow up, the world tells you to buckle down. So I just figured it all comes back to the blueprint that you're following in life. A lot of times that comes down to the, the house you were raised in, the culture you were raised in. And uh, for me, I'm one of four kids. And um, my parents were fantastic. The way I describe it in like two sentences, we had everything we needed. So I never felt poor, but there was a lot of things that we wanted. So I never felt rich, right? Um, my dad was the best. Like he coached us. He was always there, but he did not enjoy that nine to five window in his life. Mm. He was a systems analyst at the Postal Data Center, which means he worked on computers at the post office for 30 years. And it wasn't that, you know, he was grumpy and he hated his job. I knew he didn't enjoy it. And the older I got, and I'm talking about into my teens and in college, I'm like, why would you not want to enjoy your life? And it just got more focused as I kept taking more steps to kind of push off that decision to get boring. Because to me... <laughs> adult life is boring. It's like, college, what, what do you do after college graduation? It's, it means jobs, bills, boring. And I was like, let's, let's put that off as long as possible. Would it be possible? How can I have fun and make a living, right? And so I just kept taking these steps and pushing that off and pushing that off. And pretty soon it's like, well, there is no pushing off. It's not coming anymore. This is what's happening. Mm. So I kept pursuing, I mean, it was this fundamental pursuit of what can I do that I will look forward to when I wake up in the morning? What is going to make me feel like a third grader, right? Because what is third grade? When you're in third grade, if you think back, what do you look forward to? You look forward to play. Play is your job. I can't wait to go to school because I can't wait for recess. Play. Gym class. Play. Can't wait to get home. Hang out with my friends. Play. Mom calls me in for dinner. All right, but I want to play after dinner. Got to go to bed. Oh man, I can't wait till tomorrow I get to play. And that's kind of what guides me. Wow. I, I love that, man. I, I love there that there is this freedom in what you just described. Uh, and a lot of people listening, were, 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 they may be thinking, as I was when you and I first met, this can't be real. This can't be possible. This I didn't even has know that was your impression be... when we first met. I love it. <laughs> it's like, you know, but that was part, that was part of my intrigue with you. And that's why I kept hanging around because I'm like, is this real? Is this just like part of a, is this like part of a put on? But no, this is the real, this is the real thing, man. You, you have uh, every, t you know, every now and then I will be watching the news and I will see a, a local St. Louis man has thrown a parade for his, his kid during the pandemic because his kid was going to miss his birthday. And it, tell, that's a real story. Joe, talk about that. Okay. All right. This is, oh, I love this story. Love this story. All right. My daughter was turning nine. This was three or four months into the pandemic. So 2020 and um, you can't have a party. And at that time, you know, whenever your listeners are listening to this, you think back to when the world kind of imploded, right? I mean, just everything shut down, obviously. And the habit of birthday parties became a drive-by, like, neighborhood parade. And I don't know if you participated in them or had them in your neighborhood, Galen, but around us, we get these invitations. It'd be like, meet, you know, the mall or the store at, or at this intersection at 6 o'clock, and we'll drive by Stephanie's address, right? And then we'll honk and we'll wave. So I was like, okay, that's a minimum. 
my daughter's turning nine. We can do that. We'll invite her friends from school, some of her teammates and sports team she plays on, some out, other family friends. And But I'm like, we got to do more than that because we've been to a bunch of them. It'll just be normal. Like, how can we really elevate this experience? And I just had this vision. So I am a DJ. I've been DJing for like 15 years, um, weddings, bar mitzvahs, pool parties, proms, anniversaries. So I have the equipment and the music. So I thought, well, that'd be an easy ad. I just get speakers out of my garage, mount them up. But then I was like, well, listen, I have a whole bunch of friends that do what I do that are performers, that are jugglers, that are stilt walkers, that are unicyclers, that are balloon artists. I'm like, we haven't been doing gigs in a while. And this would be a nice, safe, outside, distanced way to generate a lot of joy. So I called up on my friends and it was cool. It wasn't a big ask because these parades take 10 or 15 minutes. But I just envisioned allowing our family and friends to come down the street in a tunnel of fun, a tunnel metaphorically speaking. And so I called all my friends and they were like, heck yeah, we want to do that. So it was a Friday night. It was, I think, six o'clock. And I kind of emailed everybody and I had them stationed. I'm like, all right, we'll have the stilt walkers at the front of the street and then some jugglers and some unicyclers and uh, my balloon friend. I'm like, I don't even know what you're going to do. He's like, I want in. And um, <laughs> then to just step it up even more, called all of our friends. I really went overboard in inviting people because I'm like, this is going to be an experience. And then somebody mentioned calling the fire department. So I called the fire department. I'm like, I heard you guys come through birthday parades. They're like, yeah, we'd actually prefer to be at the front of the parade. I'm like, all right. Okay. All of a sudden, we got on tap, like, this whole production down the street. We actually made a flyer letting the neighbors know because we didn't want to freak them out. Like, hey, we want you to be a part of this, but just so you know what's going to happen. And then I got the idea. I'm like, well, again, how do you elevate the experience? How do you spread this joy? So I made a press release, and I sent it to the radio stations, the newspaper, and the TV stations. And lo and behold, next thing I know, the next day, that we well, we actually got interviewed because – the Post-Dispatch showed up, this local big St. Louis newspaper. And then I think it was V or something. They had an interview and they had a feature. So like you said, you got on TV and there's, wait, what is this happening? There's a, there's a circus on this block. My friend, the balloon artist, he made, he wrapped himself in it. He made a human sized birthday cake. I was just walking up the street. That was Sammy J. My other friend, Jeff Kozatek, who you may know, he had a, a Lord Business costume from the Lego movie way back. And he walks up on stilts. All my friends from Circus Kapoor were there. And the best part, I mean, the greatest part, when it was all over, all the cars had left. My performer friends are walking up the street. And my daughter, who is the cutest, she's nine years old. She turns to me. She's about 20 feet away. And she comes up to me. She's got tears rolling down her face. Bear hugs me. And I'm like confused. And I just said real softly, I'm like, are these happy tears? And she's just like nodding yes. And I'm like, that's my heart. So yeah, that's, that's the parade that you're talking about. Oh my gosh. And just, you know, w one of the things that um, I, I got to know about you, uh, because we did a little work together actually. And one of the things that I got to know about you is number one, uh, you take your fun very seriously. You, you take your fun very seriously. I mean, just as much effort and thought that people would put into, you know, building a spreadsheet or crafting and, and architect design, that's the way you approach having fun. Uh, so that's the one thing that I really came to appreciate. And then number two, 
you take this you take this parenthood thing this dad thing pretty seriously too and that was another thing that i really really connected with you on because uh i you know me i i got one shot to do this this dad thing right i've only got one and you know she's amazing and i've only got one shot to get it right but you really really put a lot of thought into how can i create an experience for my kids uh so that they will remember their childhood and i have never met anyone in person who has committed themselves to having fun like you do. <laughs> I love to hear that. That I take that as a big compliment because you, you know me pretty well. And um, it comes down to whenever anybody asks me about my life as a dad or my perspectives as a parent, I, there, was a, there was one conversation. I'm teaching English in Japan. And one of my dear friends, Austin, who now lives in Florida, he was, we were, it was one of those moments in life. You know, you're, we're, we were driving through the mountains and it's just, deep conversation with your friends. And he's like, what's the one thing you want to do in life or you want to be if you couldn't fail, you know? And of course I'm like NBA all-star, you know, that's the dream, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. Be like, I want to be Michael Jordan. Who doesn't. Right. And then my brother said something, he was with us. And then Austin goes, I want to be a great dad. Mm. And to hear somebody say that really made my mind just like stop for a second. Cause for me, that's just been the default goal. I, and, and he helped me put that into words that like, oh yeah, that's something to actually aspire to. Cause I just thought that's part of life. Yeah. And that comes down, going back to that blueprint that I talked about, my parents laid out like the best blueprint. My mom and dad are not perfect by any means. I don't think any parent is. You realize that more as you grow up, but like my mom was there for us. My dad was there for us. And they provided everything that they reasonably could along with lessons. And that's what I've always strived to do. But I don't want, it's, it's just like my career. I don't want to not look forward to parenting. Mm. Like you won't, I'm not the dad or the parents. Like, oh, I got the kids this weekend or I got I to gotta babysit tonight. It's like, no, man, I get <laughs> to hang out with my kids. Mm. And I want them to love life as much as I do. And if I'm not loving my life with them, I'm not being a good example. So uh, I try to communicate with them. I very proactively, I'm like, I want you to know that daddy loves his job jobs. Like I really love what I do. And that's important that you know that, um, there are other things you have options in life. You can do many things. These are the things that I choose to do. And then the things with them, I'm like, Let's do it. What do you want to do? How can we make this happen? How can we elevate the experience? It's not just, do you want to have a parade? It's like, no, how can we make this memorable for everybody around us? And, uh, and that, that next thing you know, the word spreads and you're on the news or something. And then it brings joy to you. You didn't even attend the parade, but you're like, <laughs> that looks awesome. You know, and it's not, look at me, look at how cool we are. It's no, I want to bring you joy as well. And that's the vibe that I try to parent with. Wow. Now, hey, now you, you've used uh, a word a couple of times and it's just part of who you are, but I know that it's, it's, it's a big part of how you approach uh, business and when you're sneaking in leadership principles with your audience who are usually youth, you, you focus a lot on I can. And that's a big part of who you are. That's a big part of your message. 
uh, and you mentioned it, you know, four or five times already, you know, how can I do this? How can I do that? How can uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what's important about the words I can to you and how do you leverage that with your audiences? So my overarching umbrella message that just is over everything that I do is a shift in mindset from I can't to how can I? So you just mentioned I can. Yes, that's one thing. But when you program your brain with the growth mindset question of how can I, like your brain is going to go in the direction that you take it. I think about when I was learning how to snowboard and I'm not an expert snowboarder. I've only been a handful of times in my life, but if you're, if you've got two trees coming up and you're coming and you've learned to snowboard and you're not going to fall automatically anyway, but you're still learning. If you're like, I, I'm not going to hit that tree. Don't hit the tree. Don't hit the tree. Don't hit the tree. What's the image in your mind? Hmm, that tree. The tree. You're going to hit it. But if you focus on that gap right there, right? Like hit the gap, hit the gap, hit the gap. You're fine. Your mind is doing that. So when you have a goal or when you have a desire to do something, it's not, I want to do that. Someday I'm going to do that or I'm going to do that. That doesn't give your brain any material to work with. But if you give your brain a question, our brains are not, it's a natural problem solver. It's a supercomputer. So if you just feed it the question, how can I? Mm -hmm. Your brain seeks out the answers. Your brain is thinking of answers while you sleep. Your brain is thinking of answers while you're driving down the road, while you're meeting new people. And then when an answer pops up or when something it's a possibility, your brain like reaches out. Hey, Joe, that is a possibility. There is a clue. There is a breadcrumb. Follow that path. See where it leads. Gather some information. Let's see if this is even possible. I love it, man. And I, I love that. I love the fact that you are baking that into all of your messages. It's baked throughout your book, which is is amazing. Your book is amazing. That's that's really how I got to really appreciate who you are and, and your story. Uh, it's baked into all of the presentations that you that you give. And the fact that you're doing that after having fun, because fun kind of lets down your defenses. And then you kind of slip in this message of, 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 of abundance that um, kids will carry with them. If they really get it as a youth, they will carry that with them into adulthood. And oh my gosh, that's where real magic can happen if you have this spirit of abundance. How did you, how did you land uh, on this philosophy of how can I? Was this just, was this part of your, your parents' um, uh, raising of you? Was this accidental? Uh, did you did you seek this out while meditating uh, on a mountain somewhere? <laughs> Great question. Great question. So first of all, thank you for the mention of my book. My book is called Permission to Play. And my uh, coach and publisher, Nancy Erickson, helped me come up with that title at the end of it. We wrote and she's like, your book is you're giving people permission to play. And play is at the core of that. Right. And then to get to your question, how did I come to that? I've just been focused on joy for so long. I think where that started, perhaps I met my best friend, Mark, first day of kindergarten, and we grew up together. We, like we were brothers. And unfortunately, he got hit by a car. He was selling newspapers outside of our school in eighth grade when he was 14, and he lost his life. And at 14, when you lose somebody like that, it puts life in perspective. And from, I mean, it was a hard process. 
but I learned a lot of great lessons from it. And the, the biggest one was just to love the life that we have. It could be taken at any moment. You know, I thought about all the things that my, my brother Mark would never get to experience. Going to school, traveling, going on a date, finding a life partner, perhaps getting, uh, having kids, pursuing all these different things. And I'm like, from then it's been, I'm living for two. I got to live extra because my best friend doesn't get to do any of this stuff, right? I'd be doing him a disservice if I had a boring life. Wow. So I just tried everything. I, I, th- I mean, I, there's lots of things I haven't tried, but I tried out for a bunch of sports in high school, got cut, whatever, had fun, played on rec leagues with my friends. Um, I really wanted to experience life outside of St. Louis, which is where I grew up, I'm familiar with the Midwest, but went to college in Chicago. I answered this ad in college to be the mascot answered an ad in college, stand-up comedy contest, all these things, they sound scary. I'm like, that might be fun to try it. And then uh, started traveling and then started trying all these different things like, you know, DJing and magic. And then, so your, your question, how did this evolve? When I finally got to the point where I'm like, what am I dancing around? I want to be a speaker. And I go to a conference and I see somebody light the room on fire. Like, that's the main thing. How can I do that? I had to get straight. What is my message? what is my method how can i communicate this to people and i just thought i don't really think about the things that are going to prevent me from doing it i'm focused on the possibility the pathways the partnerships the resources and if i can find those answers that allows me to succeed that's what i want to communicate to people put that in your mindset program your your brain program your mind how can i you're going to find answers when you don't put limits on it the answers are out there and the possibilities are endless Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.